This episode is sponsored by Kensington Books. Hey everyone, it's Cameron. And Gabby. And you're listening to the Literally Us podcast. Where we talk about romance books, pop culture, and everything in between. We're also members of the Amazing Frolic Podcast Network. And make sure you follow us on Instagram to stay up to date on podcast news and share your favorite reads. Our friends at Kensington Books have a brand new anthology that you do not want to miss. Lone Wolf features three must-read novellas by New York Times bestselling authors Diana Palmer, Kate Pierce, and Rebecca Zanetti. Each novella features a rugged man who is about to meet their match. This anthology is perfect if you're looking for swoon-filled romances, alpha heroes, and thrilling storylines that will keep you staying up late reading. Lone Wolf is available now wherever books are sold. Cameron and I are so excited to have Kate Claiborne on the show today. She is the author of Love Lettering and her new release, Love at First Sight. Welcome to the show, Kate. Hey there. Thank you so much for being on. We're so excited to chat with you about Love at First, Love Lettering, about your career. I was first introduced to you through Love Lettering. I love that book so much. From the moment there was a deal on it, (laughs) from the moment that you got a deal. Um, I remember this was like years ago. I saw it in Publishers Lunch. I fell in love with the premise and I like had sent Gabby um, like a screenshot of it. And I was like, oh my gosh, when is this book coming out? Like I needed to come out yesterday because this sounds so good. <laughs> well, I hope it I hope it lived up to your expectations. I was really I was really excited for that deal announcement to come out, I remember. Yeah, it is so fresh. I mean, a, you know, a hand lettering designer who puts in this weird code and a wedding invite. It is so genius. I and I and I fell in love with Reed Sutherland. Oh, he he is a real dreamboat, isn't he? He was really um an interesting character to write. I loved writing him. Um and I knew it would be a challenge because I I knew I wasn't going to be sort of in his point of view. So it was just really a wonderful challenge as a writer to make him feel very real and authentic, even without um, getting inside his head very often in the book. Yeah, I I loved seeing the soft moments of his character, even as he was wearing this hard exterior. Um, He just had he was just full of so much swoon. Yes, I'm I'm very drawn to characters like that, you know, kind of with that very reluctant exterior, but a very soft inside. Yes, kind of like Will Sterling and Love at yes. First. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of which, what can you tell us about Love at First? So Love at First is um, another standalone uh, contemporary romance. It is set in Chicago. And the premise is that uh, the heroine, Nora Clark, she lives in um, a six-flat apartment building in Chicago. She inherited an apartment from her grandmother. And she lives there with um, the neighbors in her building whom she's very close to. They are all kind of older um, and lived there for a very long time, just like her grandmother. So they're sort of a family unit. And when another resident in the building passes away and leaves his apartment to um, his estranged nephew, uh, that turns out to be Will Sterling. And when he comes to town, he wants to use his apartment as kind of an Airbnb type rental. And the neighbors are very against that. So it kind of starts as sort of feuding neighbors and a little bit of like pranks and light sabotage. And then uh, eventually Nora and Will 
uh, fall in love. So it's a really, uh, what I hope it is, is a very soft and comforting book for the time that we live in. Yeah. And I just loved reading about the sense of community in this entire building paired with the strong chemistry between Nora and Will. Like I lived for those sneaky rendezvous they had where he came up to her apartment to fix something, to redecorate, but it was just, you know, under the guise yes. of actually hooking up with her. <laughs> yes. I I think um, I really enjoyed, especially because Will in the book uh, is a person who's really kind of frightened by his own feelings in a lot of yes. ways. And I really liked writing the, the situations where he was trying to deny his own feelings, but is slowly giving into them. Uh, mm-hmm. I love a slow burn. So that was really fun to write. And in your books, you deal with very relatable issues um, and serious issues that many people face, kind of like grief and love at first and parental abandonment issues. Why do you think these subjects are important to talk about in romance books, even when some people sometimes believe that one should just focus on the central love story? You know, for me, I think I have always been drawn to romances that have a pretty complicated fabric in terms of you know, the the other characters in the book and the other things going on in the book. And I think while, while sometimes I really like to read a romance with a very tight focus, I think for me, I'm, I'm really drawn to stories where the happily ever after feels super complete to me. And I guess what I mean by that is that the characters um, are fulfilled or, or are on a path to fulfillment in other areas of their life as well. That makes me feel more confident about the happily ever after of the love story. So as a reader, I've always been drawn to stories like that. And I think, you know, naturally as a writer, I've gravitated toward that a lot. I love that. A happy ending, not just for the central love story, but for the individual characters too. Yeah, I think you want to feel like your character's have friends. Um, you want to feel like they have a life and a purpose outside of their romantic relationship. Again, for me, that makes me feel confident in the in the relationship that I've sort of guided to a happily ever after. So, you know, I I really appreciate that. It's something I look for in books that I read, and and something I try hard at in the books that I write. It's definitely Absolutely. something we too because we just read a book I guess a few months ago and the heroine had no friends and we went to each other like she has no one to talk to and you really do miss like the other relationships in a love story and they're so important to have friendships and like sisterhoods and like um, family bonds so I love hearing all that. Yeah I think you know you don't want to feel that the characters have no no one else to turn to. I guess that's a that can be an uncomfortable feeling. Yes, when you're reading a book. Mm-hmm. So, what inspired you to start writing romance? You know, I think what inspired me is that you know when I started reading romance, I started reading romance at kind of a difficult time in my own life, and I just had such a wonderful experience reading these books in terms of the comfort that they brought me. They just brought me a lot of. Um, happiness and uh, warmth and a a feeling of community that kind of at that time in my life, I was sort of searching for. Um, And 
I guess I wanted to, I, I wanted to see if I could even do a little bit of that for other people. It was, that was just sort of the inspiration for me as I sort of thought if I could write something that made anyone feel the way these books have made me feel, that would be a, a huge accomplishment. That would be something to be really proud of. And so I think that was the inspiration. I really wanted to be part of something that had brought me a lot of joy and comfort. Oh, I love that. And what's the, can you share with us, what's the first romance you ever read? Yeah, the first romance I've ever re- I ever read, I'm sure uh, some of your listeners have heard me say this before. The first one I ever read was Jennifer Cruzy's Bet Me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it was sort of, it was really an accident. Um, I didn't grow up reading romance. I didn't, kind of unlike a lot of romance readers and writers, I didn't, you know, my mom didn't read romance or anything like that. I think that I, looking back, I think that the books I read when I was younger, I was probably always hunting for a, a romantic plot or like those were things that drew me to certain stories. But um I didn't read a genre romance until I was older. And it was like, I, I went to a to the library in this new town I had moved to. And I saw this book with a, a blue cover with a shoe on it. It looked very cheerful. And the, about the author on the back, Jennifer Cruzy was, was from, uh, she's from Ohio, which is where I had moved from. I had, I was born and raised in Ohio. And I think just because I was like sort of homesick, I was like, I'm going to get this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, the rest is history. That's the first romance I read. And I mean, it's a real, that's a banger of a first romance to read. It's a really memorable one. Yeah, I had a similar introduction to romance in the sense that when I was growing up, I was also kind of hunt, uh, reading a lot of books where I was hunting for romance, but I didn't really know it at the time. I was yeah. reading a lot of YA romances, um, and I didn't start reading my uh, didn't start reading genre romances until I was in college. Mm-hmm. And it was just like a whole brand new world from for me that I realized that I was missing um, all these years. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it felt like for me, too. It was like I, I read Bet Me and I thought, well, where has this feeling been? Um, and I just after that, I just gobbled up tons of them. So would you say that that's the romance book um, that changed your life? Yeah, I mean, in the in the sense that, you know, it's the first one I ever read and it really kind of opened up the world of genre romance to me. Yeah. I mean, I think that probably is the one that was most, uh, had the most impact, was the most life-changing. Certainly since then, um, I have read, you know, many romances that have totally changed my perspective of writing or of what the genre does. Um, You know, there's so much to, there's so much to love and so much to explore in the genre. It's a really... Gosh, it's such a rich genre that, you know, there's so much going on in it. It's so true. One day you could pick up like a historical romance, the next a paranormal or a rom-com. It just like never ends. Yes. I mean, I've been reading romance now for for years and I'm always surprised by how how I'll be talking to somebody like another author or another reader and they'll say, oh, uh, you know, have you ever read this author? And it'll be an author who's who's been around and maybe I've, I've heard of this author, but just haven't yet gotten to those books. And then you pick them up and you think, Oh my God, how could I have missed this? Right. Um, Mm -hmm. There's just all these little sort of precious gems to, to uh, find all the time. Yeah. You never know what you're going to fall in love with. Yes. Yeah. 
after watching Bridgerton, Gabby and I have been reading more historicals mm-hmm. and pre-Bridgerton, we weren't really big, big historical fans, or at least we didn't, we weren't the readers who um, naturally gravitated to reading historicals. Mm-hmm. And I feel like now everything on my reading queue is just historical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, you know, it's interesting. I go through sort of phases where it feels like I'm I'm reading much more historical and then I'll sort of swing back and read quite a bit more contemporary. I really do feel like um, I go through these phases and I don't know if it's like mood or what, but um, I'll, I'll kind of swing between those those two genres quite a bit. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to be in a certain headspace to yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. For sure. Especially in a historical when so it almost sometimes feels like a different language. Yes. And you sometimes have to put a little more, you can't, I feel I can't sometimes get as lost in the book because I'm trying to figure out every character's name and stuff. So yeah. definitely you have to be in the mood to read a historical, I feel, because I don't typically read them all the time. Yeah. I sometimes too, like, you know, I think the first historicals I read were, you know, probably like pretty standard, like Regency time period. Um, but it's really interesting. Like now I find like I'll get down a rabbit hole of like a certain time period. So for example, I really love Beverly Jenkins, like historical Westerns. I really love those. And I'll go through a phase where I want to read that period or Joanna Shoup's Gilded Age series where I'll, I'll want to read about that time period. So that's also kind of an interesting part of reading historicals as well. Yeah, that's a good point. It really spans across different time periods. Yeah. So you, it's also like you're not kind of when you're picking up a historical, you're not reading about the same time periods. You can really change things up. Yes. Yeah. Who were some of your favorite authors? I mean, this is difficult because I have so many. <laughs> um, I really love, I think in contemporary romance, I really love, I don't know if you guys know Ruby Lang. I think she is just so talented. Uh, She had a series recently that was like these three short novels all set in New York City, kind of all centered around, this sounds weird, but it's sort of all centered around the housing market, uh, which is obviously very complicated in New York City. And I just think she's she's so talented. She writes emotion so well. Uh, she's one of my favorite uh, writers. I would say, you know, one of my all-time favorite writers is Laura Kinsale, who writes his, who writes historicals and and um, has written some of my favorite historicals from from many years past. Um, but I think she's like a, a beautiful writer, just at the at the sentence level. Um, Sherry Thomas too is one of my favorite writers. So I, I mean, I could really go on and on about this, but those are those are some of mine that are that are up there. Very cool. We haven't read those authors, but I have heard of Sherry Thomas's books. Oh, she's she will wreck your life. I mean just the the angst is off the charts in those books. I I'm always looking for good angst in my life. Um in my in my reading life that is. (laughs) Yes. We'll put Sherry on your list. Oh good to know. Good to know. She's a really beautiful like the language in her books is so beautiful is is the thing I would say. And she has the the scar like the Sherlock Holmes series, right? She does the the so that is like her most recent series, the Lady Sherlock series, and those are wonderful. I was introduced to her through her historical romances, which are just incredible. Good to know. Okay, because one thing I've been doing um, more of is just listening to a lot of audiobooks. Yes, and yeah. so. 
there there will be days where I just scroll through like the Audible catalog and Sherry Thomas's books are like one are some of the popular ones that turn up the most. And so I've been thinking of giving them a try. Yeah, I think the narration on those is supposed to be pretty good. So it might be worth a shot. Oh, good. So if there was one romance book by another author that you wish you wrote, which would it be? That's such a good question. I don't know that I've ever read a book and thought, oh, I I wish I had written this book. And maybe that's because as an author, for me, it's hard to think like that. Like you, you think so much of the book as this unique creation of of this specific writer that it's it's hard to think of yourself having written it but i would say i often will read lines where i think oh man i i wish i had written a line like that or i wish i had written i wish i could write banter like this I think Talia Hibbert is really great at banter and like very often I read her um, books and I think, oh, she's so fantastic at writing this kind of like snappy back and forth. Right. But I don't I don't think I've I've ever thought I, I wish I had read a book wholesale. And I again, I think that's just because like as an author, it's hard for me to imagine kind of the entire creation as separate from the author. That's fair. And you've been writing romance for a while, and the genre has changed so much. What do you think the biggest changes have been to the genre? You know, I think that there's a number of them. And it's hard to, what I would say is, I think, without the benefit of hindsight, you know, kind of when you're in it, I think it's sort of hard to pinpoint those big changes. I do think writers now are, I think some writers now are really thinking about how to challenge sort of gender norms in their writing of romance. Um, I don't think that's, I don't think every writer is doing that, but I think some writers are thinking a lot about like, does masculinity always look one way when you're writing heroes or something like that? I think there are a lot of writers who are kind of pushing back on that. Right. And I, I enjoy that. I think that's really an interesting thing that's happening in the genre. But I also think that like challenging sort of notions of what masculinity looks like on the page, I, I think that's extending to sort of other types of um, representation of gender on the page as well. And I think that's an interesting thing that's that's happening in romance right now. That's a really good point. We're seeing more um, varied shades of masculinity and femininity in a lot of romance books. And it's always important to just, you know, spice things up, try different things, because you never know. As a reader, you almost never know what you'll enjoy until you actually read it. So yeah, having as many representations of identity are are important to have on the page. Uh, yeah, I, t- I agree. And what would you say is the biggest risk you've taken as an author? So I don't think of myself like in life, I don't think of myself as a huge risk taker. <laughs> um, but as a writer, I think of myself as a person who sort of seeks challenges when I'm writing. So for example, when I wrote Love Lettering, I had just finished writing a series um, of of romances that were that were all connected. Um, so a three book series, and you know, I wanted to try writing a standalone. I wanted to set it in New York City, which I knew was going to be challenging. I knew it was going to take a lot of research, particularly because I knew that I wanted New York City to be very important to the story. And then I also knew I wanted it only to be from 
the heroine's point of view. And I had been writing dual point of view in my previous books. So when I wrote Love Lettering, I sort of set myself a series of challenges in that way. And with Love at First, I did something similar. It was like, I, I also wanted to change the narrative voice in that book. I wanted to I wanted to go back to dual point of view, but I wanted to write in third person past. I, I wanted it, I thought that suited the story better. I was also working with um, a source text. So I was working with Romeo and Juliet as kind of a inspiration for the book. And, and that was a challenge. So I guess what I would say is anytime I write something, I am thinking about sort of pushing myself in terms right. of craft. In general, that, that has been positive for me. It's, I mean, it also makes writing challenging, but I think, I think that's okay. I think that's good sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say, I love that you set love lettering in New York because it made me look at New York in a different light. And I really enjoyed, you know, going along with the characters on these mini trips where they would look at, you know, designs on storefronts and look at street names and make that into a game. Like, I think you put a different perspective on New York than what has traditionally been done. Yeah, I I really loved writing New York City uh, in love lettering. I think I was scared to do it um, because I am not I'm not from New York. I mean, I knew when I was writing it that I was going to write it from the point of view of somebody who is who is also not from New York. You know, yeah. kind of a person who has moved there. Um, so she doesn't have that um, born and raised sense of the city. But what I liked about that was that. It is a very um, emotional and personal experience to fall in love with a place. Yeah. And people do it in different ways. And, you know, for Meg, it's like she she learns the city through these signs. That's how she comes to know it. That's the organizing principle of this place for her. Um, and I liked writing about that because I, even though the book is so much about New York, I also think that's true for a lot of people when they move to new places and they have to get they have to get used to a new space. So I liked kind of exploring that feeling and also tying it to what it's like to fall in love with people too. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I I grew up in New York and sometimes I wish, okay, you know, maybe maybe I should try someplace different. Um see what else is out there. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. You know, I come across books like these and it puts New York uh, in a different perspective for me and I fall in love with the city all over again. So that was one of my experiences reading this book is that it's seeing New York from Meg's perspective and almost falling in love with the city again. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thanks for saying that. Yeah, of course. So the romance book community is very active on social media. Do you ever feel social media influences the way you write romance? That's such a great question. You know, social media has, obviously, there there are great things about social media and not so great things about social media, you know, which we all know about. Social media has taught me a lot. Like, I think I, as a person who's just on social media, I've enjoyed kind of seeing perspectives that I might not otherwise have seen. And so, yeah, I think it's certainly just like anything else, just like reading the newspaper or or watching the news. I think things are, you know, they kind of float around in your head. They become part of you and how you think or see the world. And so 
certainly I think it's been an influence in that way. I love hearing sort of reader experiences of books and the romance community and things like that. All that being said, I think I'm pretty careful. I would say when I'm writing a lot, I, I'm i probably less active on social media just because I'm trying to be so in the in the heads of my characters. And you don't you don't want too much kind of noise interfering. But all in all, I think in in a lot of ways, the book community has been kind of a net positive in how I understand reading and and thinking about books and things like that. Yeah, definitely. I feel like social media does have its highs and lows. There are things to take away from conversations happening in Romance Landia or, you know, the book community in general. Um, and other ways, just being part of that space where there are a lot of conversations happening can be productive. But at the same time, I can see how it can also be distracting. Like if you get too much in the weeds of it, it might influence the way that you're seeing how your writing project is panning out. And it could lead to potential writer's blocks. Yeah, I think, you know, also social media, I mean, it just moves really fast. Like just by nature, it moves very fast. And Mm -hmm. so a a difficulty I often have is like, I sometimes will feel I'm missing context. Like I can tell some, like a conversation has been going on and I've, I've missed a big chunk of the context for that conversation. And so sometimes the speed at which social media moves can be overwhelming for me. Um, I think that's true for everybody, probably. Yeah. Sometimes I'll just open up Twitter and I'll see a thread happening. And then it would just like take me into a rabbit hole of like (laughs) reading everyone's accounts. And, you know, by the time I uh, look at the clock, it's like an hour has passed. Yeah, Yeah, that's relatable, I think. Right. Make sure you guys come back for our next episode for part two of our interview with Kate Claiborne. 